0: Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for December 1st. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. We have an absolutely loaded podcast for you today. Obviously, no XFL gym, but David is going to be on, better known as Better DP 21 on social media. We are going to look at week 13, share what bets we are locking in for week 13, and Chad Cooper making his debut on the podcast. Chad and I are going to talk about CM Punk returning to WWE. Who the flying hell would have thought that would have happened? Obviously, the E-Talk 2-1 Sports Show is live every single Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. We are going to look back at Week 13, share our Week 14 bets for this Tuesday. read. former division Great is this week's guest. It's always great having Reed on. Reed gives a player's perspective of what's going on in the field. After that, we'll be having O'Kane, who's a great follow on Twitter. And then after that, Scott Shapiro from Church Hill Downs will be on. Also, college basketball is heating up. It's kind of funny. It's always funny to me, college basketball starting. Uh, Interesting trend. This is the third best season ever for favorites. So obviously those that are having success are people that like to lay a lot of points. so it's gonna be interesting to see because it's kind of the same thing in NFL has been happening. Teams that have been favorites have been winning and covering. It's gonna be interesting to see how that goes in college football because it was like that way in college, excuse me college basketball. It was like that way in college football and NFL. Uh, sorry I wasn't here last week, guys. Dude, Thanksgiving. Had to go home. Had to help out the fam. Jesus fucking Christ. I cooked. I made stuffing. I made twice-baked mashed potatoes. I made the turkey. I made hummus from scratch. Set up the Christmas tree. Raked the yard. What the hell didn't Uncle Rico fucking do? I was just seeing it. But you guys want to hear about that or my Black Friday shopping, you're here to talk some NFL and we need to kick it off by talking about the Thursday night football game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, Dallas won 41-35, to 35, but the big thing that stood out to me, 19 penalties for 257 yards. 19 penalties for 257 yards. Guys, no one wants to fucking watch this. It was an awful game to watch. I know people are hyping it up because we finally had a prime time over and people think more scoring equals an entertaining game. That's not the case for me. It was brutal. I mean, it was literally fucking brutal watching this fucking game. Because there was no flow to the game, no, like yeah, just no flow. Penalty after penalty after penalty. Do we also do we need to worry about the Cowboys' defense? I know everyone's saying, you know, look at spot. They gave up four hundred and six total yards to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle was averaging six point three yards per play. 9 for 14 on third down. I don't know, man. Like, they had success moving the ball. Offensive line played a lot better. Geno looked good. Obviously, we hit our plus 9, and we hit our Smith and Jigmu over. But I would just be a little worried. I would legitimately be worried about the Cowboys' defense when they play a step up in class. Namely, the Eagles, 49ers, and hell, even throw the Lions in there since their offense is one of the better ones in the NFL. I would just be a little worried about the Cowboys. I know, obviously, because of Dak and CD and Cooks and Ferguson, they can put up some points. But we need to realize that they can't run the ball. The Dallas Cowboys this year legitimately cannot run the goddamn football. Tony Pollard, right now, has 737 yards through 12 games. Looking at it right now, he has only gone over 100 once, and that was against the Arizona Cardinals. Other than that, 70 against the Giants, 72 against the Jets, 79 against the Commanders. Those are his top three games. And we all know in playoff football, you have to be able to run the ball, milk the clock. And I think we're starting to see that Pollard is a is a 1B guy. He's not a 1A guy. He's a 1B guy. And them not having that running back, not having that dynamic running back, is that going to be enough for this team? Are they going to be able to get to that tier? I don't know. I really – I don't know. That's my worry about the Cowboys. I On the flip side – Seattle. I mean, Jesus, dude. When we're looking at Seattle, Seattle may not make the playoffs. I'm not going to lie. Seattle right now, if I'm looking at it, they may not even make the playoffs. I know right now they're slotted in the 7th spot at a 6 and 6 record, but you have the Packers, the Rams, the Saints, even the Bucks battling for those positions. <sighs> Geez, you know, I just don't know. I mean, maybe they'll be able to sneak in the seventh spot. I mean, obviously you got Minnesota here and Minnesota overachieving, but there's this middle tier teams, Vikings, Seattle, Packers, Rams, Saints, and um, Bucks. They're all battling for two spots. I don't know if Seattle, one and three in the division, five and four in the conference. I don't know if they're going to be able to, to get there. I have concerns about their offensive line, but if that's the offensive line that we saw from last night, they're going to be fine. Defense can't stop shit. Defenses look poor the last two games. Now, granted, I know they're against the 49ers and the Cowboys, but their defense can't get off the field. And do you really trust Geno Smith who's hurt? Zach Carbonet went down. Now it looks like you're going to be rolling out DJ Dallas who needs to be picked up because we don't know what's going on with Kenneth Walker. And if Carbonate has to miss, you can get DJ Dallas. But... I would just be a little concerned moving forward with Seattle. Dallas, my big concern with them is obviously the run game. And can they milk the clock enough in in the postseason? Interesting about them, you can bet them to win the AFC, excuse me, the NFC East. I really think that would be the bet to do if you feel that the Eagles are going to lose to the San Francisco 49ers. Now let's shift our attention over to some DFS. Sorry for not being here last week to help you guys with the DFS. As I mentioned, Thanksgiving family. Couldn't really get around to recording and putting the research that I felt I needed to put this stuff out. Those listening for the first time, you know how it goes. We are going to find one quarterback, one running back, and one wide receiver. And those are the people that we are going to build our DFS lineups around going into the weekend. As always, we use these for cash games First one we're going to look at. Now, look, I know it's a little bit tough with the slate. Some people may go to Hurts. Look, I'm not going to go to Hurts. I know he has the huge rushing upside because basically as soon as they get into the five, we all know that it is going to be a tush push with him getting it and you have the rushing upside. I'm going to go one person lower on the pay scale then, Jalen Hurts, I'm going C.J. Stroud. Last four weeks, he is averaging in a 31.25 DraftKings points. Broncos have given up 19.4 DraftKings points per game. Look, one of the best matchups on the board is Tank Dell. If I use C.J. Stroud, I'm going to be getting all of Tank Dell's production Denver better than the run than people realize. And for whatever reasons, Texans really don't run the ball that much. They're more of a pass heavy scheme pass heavy team. We know that we like to get that 20 points. CJ's gone over this total seven of eleven games. I really feel you need to throw on this Denver Dina team to beat them, excuse me. And because of that, I absolutely love CJ Stroud. We're putting in CJ Stroud at Eighty-one hundred. Now we're gonna go to the running back position and look. We're gonna take Najee Harris at fifty-two hundred. Cards give up the second most DK points per game to opposing running backs, thirty point three. Let's look at the last three running backs they faced. Kyron Williams, thirty-eight point four finishes RB one. Devin Devin Singletary put up nineteen point eight finishes RB eight. And Bijan Robinson put up 17.6, finishes RB12. So I really feel we're going to get a top 10 running back performance on the week from Najee Harris. 25.625, the last three for the lead running backs. Harris is a clear number one in Pittsburgh. And yes, I know that Warren has the receiving upside that we look for, especially in DK, but Harris is getting all the goal line work and all the work inside the 20. He accounts for 75% of the Steelers' red zone carries. I just think it's a great matchup with the Sullivan offense. They like to lean on the run game, and that is Najee Harris. Najee Harris consistently outworks. Even though the snap count's pretty tight, he gets more touches and more carries than Jalen Warren. So I like Najee Harris here. I plugged him in at 5,200. Now let's go to the wide receiver position. Oh, so many choices. We could go Tyreek Hill, who has a phenomenal matchup. Commanders do struggle, but I'm really concerned about the weather. And because of that, I am going to drift. Keenan Allen, Hurt, A.J. Brown, Hurt. I could go to Amara St. Brown, but I'm going to go a little deeper. We're going to take Brandon Ayuk at 7,200. Eagles give up the most DK points per game to opposing wide receivers. They give up the most DK points to, guess what? Slot ride receivers as well. Ayuk runs 75% of his routes on the outside, 25% of his routes on the inside. Bradbury and Slate, they just bleed breed production. What do I mean by that? I mean, they give up a lot of yards. to pass funnel type system that the Eagles run. They give up a ton of production because of this pass run system. And Ayuk has had... Excuse me, he is fourth in catches over twenty yards this season. We look at his last four, he's averaging eighty-five point four yards per game And the last five weeks. The last five weeks, he's a top fifteen wide receiver and he's missing one week. Let that sit in. Brandon Ayuk, the last five weeks is a top fifteen wide receiver, and he's missing weeks because Of a bye week. Absolutely insane. I absolutely love Brandon Ayuk here at 7,200. Now, I have a couple start sick questions. Obviously, the first one, someone asked Delvin Cook or Miles Sanders. Wow, have these two fallen off? Look, I will go Miles Sanders just because I don't really know how much production Delvin Cook is actually going to get. Next one, ask me Antonio Gibson or Ezekiel Elliott. Look, I know Ezekiel Elliott's is playing the Chargers, but I'll take Gibson, especially if you're in a PPR, just because Miami struggles against receiving running backs. And the last one I was asked was Kareem Hunt or Tajay Spears. You have to go with Kareem Hunt here, just because if this is a ground-based attack, which I really believe it's going to be for the Cleveland Browns with their with their quarterback situation, I think it's going to be a true split carries. I think this could be the most production that we see in terms of carry-wise for Kareem Hunt this year. And I'm sorry, my bad. I had one more. Jerry, Judy, or Jonathan Mingo. Look, I'm going Mingo here. I know it sounds absolutely crazy. I think this is a great matchup for Mingo. I think this is going to be the start of when we see Mingo to overtake Adam Thielen as the Panthers' top wide receiver. So I'm going to take Jonathan Mingo over Jerry Judy. Reminder, anytime you need to get a hold of me for some DFS questions, for some start-sick questions, go ahead and DM me. I will do my best to get back to you. And you can submit them to be read here on the podcast. Thanks for everyone for doing that. Now let's shift our attention over to some NFL betting. We've reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some betting and who better to come on than David, aka Better DP21 on social media. David, how you doing today, my man? Doing well, man. Looking forward to getting all my house projects
1: wrapped up this weekend. Just going to relax, enjoy some of this uh college championship football as well as, you know, some of the games that we have on the slate that we're going to talk about today. So, just gonna be a relaxing weekend. I'm looking forward to that.
0: So casual observation, you usually rock Bill stuff. Now I'm noticing you're rocking some Broncos stuff.
1: Bills are on a bye, baby. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta
1: I, I support the home team, you know, when it makes sense to do. And Broncos are streaking. So not I'm not not on a bandwagon here or anything, but you know, I was at the game, I took my nephew to the game last weekend um, you know, when they beat Cleveland at home and, you know, so just, uh, you know, came away with a little souvenir, little, little hat. So love rocking some hats and, uh, can definitely represent the city that way.
0: Let me ask you this before we dive into yep. our betting, obviously those, those who are listening for the first time, David is a big Buffalo bills fan two weeks in, mm-hmm. how do you feel about this Joe Brady offense? Um, you know, like
1: it's definitely turned around, flipped the switch. I mean, definitely finding more, um, opportunities, I think, between establishing the run game, uh, finding those open passing lanes. I think, uh, you know, obviously there was some miscommunication on the route that Gabe Davis had at the end of the game. Um, hell of a fucking play call. I mean, insane insane play call. And he was there, dude. He was, it
0: it was the right call. It It was the right
1: call wasn't the right, I think Gabe Davis took the wrong route, mm-hmm. and you know, I always try to take a step back and see if, you know, was that on the quarterback or the receiver? And I'm pretty sure it was an option, but based on the coverage, Gabe should have shot inside and not to the flag. So, I think he should have gone post, but, you know, and I think I think Allen teed it up right. So, I mean, I love the fact that we're actually putting up points. I love that it's giving the defense a chance to keep teams down. I mean, that was a sloppy, sloppy weather game. Um, You know, that that was hard to control that. But, you know, Eagles got the better of us. I mean, there were definitely more penalties called on Buffalo that game, whether that was a home field thing or not. You know, I I try not to have that kind of bias when I look at it, but it was pretty lopsided. Uh, There was a very distinct, you know – Force collar tackle on the Allen and everything like that that wasn't called and it's just one thing after another that it's it's been the Bill season you know we, we're not we're not winning the close games at the end of the day you got to find a way to win you know we didn't find a way but I do like where the offense is headed I do like you know the play calling that they're finding their you know they're finding their their playmakers so that uh, that part I have
0: enjoyed watching I I think they could be a deadly team if they get in. Like, and that's the key word. I mean, I, if they get
1: 15% chance or whatever we're at now.
0: <laughs> I think, but I I'll be honest, I think they're live against Kansas City next week. hmm I think they're very live against Kansas City. Yeah. Um, those listening for the first time, this is how it works. David gives a first half side, a game side. I give a player prop and a side. David, you are the guest. Why don't you kick us off, my man?
1: Okay. So first half, we're looking at the uh the Niners and Eagles. Let's go back there. Um, I got The 49ers first half minus a half. So this is looking like my best edge across all my first half plays right now. I've got the Niners winning by almost close to a touchdown. So, you know, we only need a field goal to cover this. I got, you know, the Niners winning this by better than a, you know, closer to a touchdown. So we have about a six point edge on the book line right now. And so from that end, you know, this is the way that I look at this game. The Eagles have the more, what, what I want to say, they have the worse off-passing defense. They have the better rushing defense. And then the flip side is for the 49ers. They have the worst rushing defense, the better uh, passing defense. So, And, I mean, those numbers are very close to Boa rankings-wise. you know. So I definitely expect the 49ers to try to throw it as much as they can. I expect the Eagles to run it as much as they can. But I definitely look at it, you know, also from the angle of like the big picture of the Niners, right? They are top five across the board when it comes to rushing offense, passing offense, passing defense. I mean, that alone right there to me is just, you know, everything about this team. Makeup, I think they're really just going to go in there. I think Purdy's on a good level with, you know, getting a lot of his key playmakers around him again. Yeah, I mean, Eagles at home, you know, like I said, um, I, I definitely expect Eagles to run the ball more, but I really like everything about the makeup of these numbers for DeVoe rankings. They really favor the 49ers going into this matchup just across the board. I mean, rushing defenses, like I said, they're, they're one weak spot for them, ranked number 20th. Um, but, you know, outside of that, this is a very top caliber uh, team coming in here. I'm actually surprised that this number isn't higher uh, in terms of that spread line for the first half. And I want to take the edge where we can get it early. So, you know, that's where I'm looking at for this game.
0: I absolutely love that bet. I was pissed off. I I, I was hoping we could get the Niners as dogs here. I was yeah, so that'd be cool. pissed off. One of my, just to piggyback some of the stuff you said, one of my favorite angles in betting is I love to fade teams after they were on the field defensively for 70 plays. Eagles were on the field for 94. 94 yeah. plays. Um, we don't know what's going on with Landon Johnson. That's going to be big where he's got, you know, you got Gregory, Bosa, Armstead, and crew. We don't know what's going on with that. You mentioned right. the um 49ers, excuse me, the Eagles defense. Uh for the fantasy football segment that was earlier. One of the players we are using is Brandon Ayuk. Just because of how much production Slade, excuse me, Slay and Bradbury bleed, and also they're really bad in the slot and they're bad covering the tight end. It's like hello, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, all those guys are in line to have a good game. And you have the revenge factor. So I I love the 49ers here. I was pissed we couldn't get them as dogs, but I'll definitely look to play in the first half.
1: Yeah. No, I really like that as well. That's there's a great talking points there. I mean, to you know, like I said, playmakers abound. I mean, having Iok having Kittle, um, Debo. I mean, you know, and they use they even use Christian McCaffrey as an extension of the pass. So, you know, by all means, I think they're going to throw all over the Eagles on this game.
0: My first one, and God, I love I love when I go dirty. I'm going to Old Miss' finest, Jonathan Mingo, over twenty. 20- Five and a half yards. Bucks give up the most receiving yards per game to opposing wide receivers. Last week I was heavy on Pittman. Pittman won well over his total. Also, so did Josh Downs, their other wide receiver. The Bucks are allowing 14 yards per catch to opposing wide receivers, fifth most. Bucks are very banged up in the secondary. They grade. 120 cornerbacks. When you're rolling out two cornerbacks in their slot cornerbacks, these are their PFF grades. And now, granted, they only grade 120, 100, 109, and 89. That really doesn't say, hey, you know what? We have an elite secondary. Right. So I think Young is going to be able to throw on those as crazy as it sounds. Mingo is second on the team in yards and targets. Also, When Brown took over the play calling, we saw a lot more motion. And motion is really key for a young quarterback just because it tips the hat of the defense. Is it man? Is it zone? And right there, that's going to help Young kind of process everything that is going on. And we saw Mingo's production start to tick up once Brown took over the play calls. Also, last three games, Mingo is averaging six six targets, three receptions, 29 yards. I just think they're going to look to feature this guy a little bit more moving forward because, let's face it, this team, even though they just did a reset, they're going to have to do another reset. And you kind of have to see what you have with Mingo because you need that elite pass cut here. Uh, When we just kind of look at the top teams in – the NFC. Uh Eagles, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, 49ers, Debo, Lions. Lions have AJ. Um, what's his face? Uh St. Brown, who's absolutely elite. Cowboys have CD Lamb. So you just kind of need that elite. The only team that really doesn't have an elite wide receiver is the Chiefs. And you could argue that argue that's Travis Kelsey, is basically a wide receiver. Of course. Yeah. So you need. You need to see what you have with Mingo. I think we're going to see his production chime up a lot. And with how much the Bucks bleed production, I did. Jonathan Mingo over 25 and a half yards receiving. Love that. Low, love low that. number, dude. Low number. It's it is hands. a low number. I mean, you got to, you got to, I, I love a low number
1: on, on plays like that for sure. I mean, only to our benefit. Uh, side, what side are you going to, my friend? Oh, yeah. All right. So, full game side, we're looking at Arizona visiting Pittsburgh. I've got Pittsburgh minus six. Um, so, the way that I'm looking at this game is again, the numbers uh, for DeVoe rankings of the Steelers and where this team has been trending lately, especially with the new OC. Um, you know, defensively, they've always kind of been right up there for the year. But these are their, you know, rankings right now. Number eight rushing offense. You know, starting to use uh, both backs, you know, very considerably going forward here with that offense the right way. Uh, Rushing defense, number 14. Passing offense, a little weaker at 20. Passing defense at number seven. You know, the overall makeup of this team is very much middle of the pack, but they definitely have some, you know, uh, what do I say, advantages over Arizona in those areas. Because on the flip side, DeVoe rankings here for Arizona 15 rushing offense. Thirtieth rushing defense, twenty-seventh passing offense, thirty-first passing defense. I mean, Pittsburgh really has an option to run all over this team. Um, and I think they will, you know, especially at home, the way that they've been looking healthier. Um, you know, they've they definitely have a chance to make this a statement game for themselves, especially, you know, with the where everything sits within their division uh right now. And, you know, it's it's pretty much anybody's to lock up at this point between you know, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. And um, and I really do see this as a, as a statement game for themselves. The Arizona coming in. You know, there's always that taboo of West Coast teams visit, visiting the East and, you know, how that kind of travel, you know, plays on those teams. But, you know, just from an overall numbers perspective, I've got Pittsburgh model average-wise winning this by almost two touchdowns. Um, minus 13 is where my model average is sitting on this. Lions at minus six. It's a solid seven point edge. You know, we just need them to win by a touchdown to cover that number. Um, If you're getting anything that's even, you know, five and a half, five, I mean, those are all the same spread numbers in my book when you hear those numbers, you know, because no matter what, you need them to win by a touchdown. So it doesn't matter if the number's over three and you're sitting anything between three and six, um, you know, you're looking for a touchdown edge. So uh, that's how I look at that game. But yeah, I definitely like Pittsburgh. All the numbers are favoring them. Love them at home. Love them where their defense is. And uh, they should get it done.
0: Or another player I had that we talked about with our DFS segment was Najee Harris. We're going in on Najee Harris just because of the huge matchup that the Steelers have when you look at their front against the Cards front. Sullivan, Colin plays, lead on the run game a little bit more. So definitely a good matchup for the um for the Steelers. And we don't know what's going on with the Cardinals. We have no idea, you know, what exactly are they tanking? What, what are they, what is their plan? So I like that one. Yeah. My next one. And like, I love getting grimy. I felt so grimy last night, cashing the plus nine on the frequency. I, I was going to
1: say in Seattle. Yeah. It,
0: it felt great. It felt great. <laughs> and I'm going back to another big dog. I'm taking taking the Commanders. I got the Commanders at plus 10. So a couple of things. We have a team from Miami going up to the Northeast where it's going to be low 40s, a 17-mile-per-hour wind, and raining. What is the best thing that Miami has? Their team speed. Wetfield is is going to negate that with Tyreek Hill, who does have a good matchup. But if it's a wet field, are they really able to take advantage of it? Mm -hmm. Flip side, um, I'm looking at these trends, and and an interesting one poked its head out, and there's three teams that fall into this trend, and it's a 60% trend. Teams that the previous week that lost by 17 and are playing a team that won by 17, the team that lost by 17 – 60% 60% against the number. So it kind of goes it. back a little bit of the buying low, selling high. Right. Teams that lost by 35 points or more, like the commanders did, 63.2% ATS. When they lost, when they're a dog, 67.4%. ATS, home dog, basically the same. just goes down to 60, 67%. So, I mean, it's basically 60. There's all these trends that are pointing to the commanders and it comes to the buying low, selling high. Then I looked at teams since 2005 that are laying nine points or more on the road. They're 42% ATS. Then I looked at Tua's splits on the road. (laughs) less completion percentage completion percentage is down um less tds more ints and he fumbles the ball more and now you're going to be playing with a wet football right also i looked at the history of the vangio defense against a mobile quarterback i know a lot of a lot of stuff's being made about sam howell and throwing the ball and everything he still is a mobile quarterback that can get outside the pocket and use his legs i just kind of feel this is the dolphins are overvalued the commanders are undervalued i'm getting a team from the south going north in december i feel 10 points is just way too much yeah i i
1: actually agree with you on a lot of those points uh especially my model has this at 11. i mean we're right there with the book line uh in my opinion and i give that home dog always the value um when that line is pretty much the same uh not only that but to your point of the weather and really looking at the devoa rankings of uh the washington team you know they're sitting with a a number 12 overall rushing defense um you know to your point they should be running the ball a lot more but yes they do have an advantage should they find you know some kind of edge through the air i mean washington has the worst has the lowest ranked passing defense in the league um know in that matchup there so you know i i agree with you a whole i I love all those points that you made especially those trends i love how you just kept taking it a deeper level um that that was that's very impressive to me um but yeah i do find this to be a lot closer than a 10 point game the way that books have it right now um i could see this being you know actually right along more of a really a touchdown um and i think we're getting a think we're getting ourselves a three to six
0: point edge uh, right now with the current line and one thing I forgot to mention the whole left side of the Dolphins line could be out Armstead is banged up Lamb's banged up that means Colin Smith who is their third string left tackle mm-hmm. could be the starting left tackle and then Isaiah Wynn he's on the IR Robert Jones is banged up Cotton is banged up So, I mean, you could be at the third. Liam Etchenberg, who's their backup (laughs) center, could be playing, could be their starting left guard. Right. So, I mean, that whole left side. And yes, I know they got rid of Chase Young. And I'll be honest, Chase Young really hasn't looked that good. And I know they got rid of Sweat, who's looked like a stud in Chicago. But you still have Allen and Payne, who are going to be able to line up that left side cause a little bit of the issue. Plus I think you're going to get coaches pump, no more old school Jack Del Rio. You're going to get Rivera calling the plays coaching for his job. I don't know. I think there's value on the commanders. I'll take the commanders here. Plus the points.
1: I like it. I mean, I had those same thoughts about those two DEs that got traded away to the other teams, but you know, like you said, Payne stepped up and and I definitely look at both of those guys as being,
0: you know, key, uh, key defensive players as well. So definitely a good play. And I am going to tell you the best future. There's two phenomenal futures, and they're huge prices, and I'll give them out here, and I'll share them with you to lock in right now. And I know it has not been since 1986 a defensive player has won the MVP. But if the Cleveland Browns make the playoffs, I think there is a discussion that needs to be made about Miles Garrett, MVP of the league. I could see that, too. And he's 200 to one to win MVP. I definitely think he is worth a small investment. Someone else, when you just kind of step back at it. Let's say there's a team that lost its starting quarterback. Let's say there's the same team. Lost its starting running back, who's their best offensive player, and the same team lost their starting left, starting right tackles, who are two of their top three offensive linemen, and they make the playoffs. I think that coach deserves to be in the coach of the year discussion. Skafanski at 28 to 1 to win coach of the year. I think those are two futures that have huge You say huge 28
1: problems. to 1?
0: 28 to 1. Damn. I, I yeah. just think there's, a, I just think there's, Huge value. And um, I know, look, I know they're playing the Rams. I know they got Delaware Joe, Joe Flacco starting on Sunday. Skifanski is undefeated against the spread against the NFC. <laughs> undefeated against the spread against the NFC. Right. So I'm just saying something to look at. it. Damn it. I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend?
1: Yeah, thanks as always for having me. Um, you know, anybody looking to talk shop, please reach out to me on Twitter. Be posting some plays throughout the weekend. Um, better DP
0: twenty one here is the handle. Shows better with an OR. Make sure to give my boy David a follow. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, some cash, some tickets. We'll talk next week, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. Please make sure to give my boy David a follow at Better DP twenty one. Now let's shift our attention over to some wrestling and talk cm punk coming back to the wwe we have reached a part of the podcast where we're going to be talking some wwe for a change and we have a first timer coming on chad cooper from the he is the entertainment editor of the beaumont examiner chad how you doing today my man
2: i'm doing great man i feel honored i feel honored i watch uh you all the time and and make a lot of money Uh, on some of your plays and uh, your props. So uh, definitely I'm a fan. So uh, yeah, definitely honored to be on uh, your show this week, man. Uh,
0: You know, fan of yours. I like your photography work you put up. um, I listen to the stuff you and Gino you do on Gino's podcast about wrestling. So I figured I'd reach out to you because obviously we had big news this week. CM Punk returning to the WWE. How shocked were you? that CM Punk showed up at that event?
2: You know, uh, it, as a professional wrestling fan for a majority of my life, I'm 49, I started rest, watching wrestling at an early, early age and, and just go through s- several of the promotions that I grew up and watching with, you know, the one thing you you learn in professional wrestling, especially as the WWE kind of trends. Formed into a more of an entertainment company is to never say never you know i've had this conversation with multiple people over the last couple of weeks where we had a lot of smoke uh we could smell it we could see it of the rumors of cm punk you know returning to wwe um i didn't think it needed to happen because i thought wwe's in a very good spot now with uh triple h taking over uh, the selling of the company and have really good owners. Now the parent company of the, uh, that owns the UFC. Um, I thought they were really doing really good. And, and why did they need to bring someone back? That's had some, a, a, a turmoil type run, uh, in AEW wrestling. Uh, so make a long story short, I, I was surprised. I wasn't shocked, but I was surprised. um uh, and man, did they grab the headlines? And I, I, I tell you what, uh, it, it has been a monumentous weekend again for the WWE. I think through Monday after the arrival of Punk uh, at uh, Survivor Series over the weekend, 80-something million views across WWE's social media platform is it, just unbelievable. And of course, you know what the WWE is going to do. They're going to roll out his merchandise and uh, just the number one seller across all platforms is the CM Punk merchandise. So uh, it was a little surprise and shock, uh, but you never know with the WWE. But I, I, I was surprised because they are headed in a in a different direction because this is no longer Vince McMahon's company.
0: What does this move bring in Punk? What does this mean for the WWE? What kind of direction? Because you just said this is like a different type move. Like, what what does this mean for the WWE moving forward?
2: Yeah, it it it, a a couple of things here. You know, uh, it's definitely looking ahead. You know, CM Punk comes over from the AEW where he did not have a very good run. In the very beginning, it was pretty good. Then there was problematics in the back. Uh, it, it, It just goes to show you that with Vince McMahon out. This new company and Triple H looking forward and being able to work with people like CM Punk, uh, it it shows that can be a a great relationship. Now, CM Punk probably thrives in a more structured environment, and he may be one of those ones that needs to be produced, as uh, Gino has, has said earlier. Uh, about CM Punk. It's one of those guys that you want to take, and this is what you're going to do, this is what you're not going to do, and that sort of wasn't the case in in AEW. But the WWE is also in the midst of uh, negotiating a big television deal with Raw. They secured SmackDown. That'll be moving to the USA Network sometime uh, next year. I think the Raw rights uh, end uh, October 2024, So they're in the midst of a big deal, and that's their flagship show, uh, their three-hour show on Monday night. So this definitely helps that. Uh, And I think, look, you know, people forget that CM Punk had a pretty good run in the WWE. I mean, he's he's world champion, what, 10-plus years? He had some great moments. It just didn't end very well. He went on a podcast and blasted the WWE. Then he... There was some some civil lawsuits because of what he said. Then he went to AEW and kept mentioning WWE. So does this open the door uh, for some of these type returns? I think it does, but I think it's on a case-by-case basis. But I think it, it definitely opens the door that, hey, look, Triple H in this locker room uh, can can definitely work with you. But I, they're not going to put up with, with any... With with any negativity, if if something goes awry here, the WWE will fire you in a heartbeat. Now,
0: now you mentioned the TV deal being yeah. up with RAW. Where do you think RAW ends up?
2: You know, that's a good question. You know, there's been some leakage here uh, of of some of the the platforms that has been after this. I think the one that makes the the most sense, the AEW purists that don't like. WWE, I, I think Warner Brothers Discovery probably makes a lot of sense. I know that uh, uh, that Fox ha- ha- has has put in. I don't think that's it's going to go there. I think there's been uh, some rumors that it could go to a streaming platform. I don't know how much value that brings to the table. Um, I, I think somewhere on Warner Brother, I, I really do. NXT is going to. Uh, they've already secured their rights. They're moving from the USA Network. To uh, the CW uh, sometime next year. So I, I think probably uh, WWE ends up on the one of the Warner Brothers channels.
0: Now, you mentioned podcast. Obviously, one of the big things that the WWE does is the Broken Skull podcast with Stone sure. Cold. Sure. Can you yeah. imagine CM Punk going on that?
2: No, I can't, but I can now. Um, it, again, you never say never. This is just, uh, it's just so um unusual for things like this to happen uh these days but again it shows you that things have that change uh that evolve in the entertainment industry not not just professional wrestling there's some actors and actresses who said i'll never work with this studio ever again they're going back there there's some football basketball players i'll never work with you know i'll never go play for this organization ever again or this coach and they do it um no, but it, it would uh, drive up some uh, subscriptions uh, numbers uh, to the Peacock app if uh, if CM Punk was on the Broken Skulls with Stone Cold, for sure.
0: Now, we've seen Jade Cordell go back, go to WWE. We see Cody Rhodes go back. Yeah, yeah. Now CM Punk has come back. Are we going to start to see AEW lose some of these like, top Tier Kyan guys obviously Ricky Starks's contracts coming up, he's a big rumor. MJF's contract, um, that's a big rumor. Are we gonna see some of these guys start to shift over to the WWE now? Be with their top guys now over there in Rhodes, Jade, yeah, and um, and Punk,
2: yeah, you know, it that that's that's an interesting question, um, because the WWE, unlike the AEW has a performance center where they sign athletes that not necessarily has a wrestling background, but they they train them how to be WWE-style entertainers. But when you have a chance to bring in a CM Punk um, and you sit down at the table, if I'm in Triple H shoes and I have the chance to sign PM, CM Punk, and that say hey look these are the uh, these this, this is the guidelines this is what you're gonna do and this is how you're gonna act or it's null and void. yeah I, I I think so. I think this opens the door. I think aew's biggest problem is they signed too many professional wrestlers. they have a roster full of loaded talent. there's not enough TV time um, there's not storylines like the WWE uh, aew and they've said it goes to a, more of a wrestling new Japan. Uh, style wrestling show where it's more emphasis on the in-ring stuff. But yeah, I think the door is open. I I I think that, uh, and not necessarily AEW, but are you telling me that if you're Triple H and Sasha, you have the chance to bring Sasha Banks back who left under the Vince McMahon era and not good terms, would you not bring her back? Yeah, I I I think this opens the door. I think the WWE is going to be more selective. Like a Moxley, would you let John Moxley come back? Of course, he was brought in with the WWE with the Shield. Um Cesaro, who's Claudio Castanilla, would, would you bring guys like Brian Danielson, who's been thrown in the fire this week? He, you know, Tony Khan has has said that, hey, Brian Daniel, Brian Danielson was a part of this. He was the head of the uh, disciplinary committee for AEW, and he recommended that CM Punk be fired. So, yeah, I think it does open the door for a lot of these talent to, to either not only go back, but cross over and go into the TAEJ. Jade Cargill is just a perfect example of that.
0: Punk coming back felt different to me. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, with how everything is, social media, the internet, we know this stuff. Like when when Cody Rhodes was going to go there, everyone knew it. There was a big news break, he's not re-signing. This one was truly shocking to me because literally sure. no one knew it. Are we going to see more shocks like this, where Triple H is able to keep stuff under route? Or
2: yeah, yeah, this was this was the biggie because normally, as you mentioned, in this day and age, uh, there's leaks everywhere and scrip- subscription services, dirt sheets, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they always want to be the first to break things, uh, especially when people are paying a premium to get content. This one was held under wraps. Again, there was a lot of smoke, but there wasn't a lot of guarantee that CM Punk was going to be there. After we get uh, here over uh, the next couple of weeks, and as we get through December, uh, we have the Royal Rumble next. And that's the big next pay-per-view for WWE. And usually we have a couple of surprises in that. Now, I think a couple of surprises this year will be guys and, and girls that come up from NXT But I would not be shocked if there's a surprise or two as the entrant as a free agent signing that appears in the Royal Rumble in January for WWE that's not on the WWE roster right now.
0: Yeah, just because I'll be honest, I turned off the TV like after it was over. Like I turned off the TV. I totally missed Punk coming back. And part of me wonders if because I live in the Chicagoland area, just with how the highway system. (laughs) is lined up because like literally it's like he just hops on 294 290 from the city and just drives his car right there and then boom you're at Allstate. so i wonder if like it being in chicago there it was easier for them to keep it keep it under wraps
2: yeah and look chicago's known for a wrestling town that uh the crowd as you know they'll they'll take over an event in a heartbeat and there was some cm punk chants early in the night of survivor series i think they were kind of hoping. That he would be there, but it makes the most sense if CM Punk's going to come back to WWE, it's definitely going to be in Chicago. So I think this is perfect timing and, and the stars align for everybody involved.
0: We all saw Seth Rollins' reaction to Punk returning. Was that a work or are there generally hard feelings from Rollins to um, to Punk?
2: I think it's both. I, I, I Seth Rollins has not been sh- a guy that's shy to tell you about his feelings. He's not a guy that goes on a lot of podcasts and says a lot of things. There's a lot of interviews uh, that WWE put out over their social media on the Peacock app over the last year or two, where Rollins has been someone brought up CM Punk, not a lot, but there's been some times and he's let his feelings be known that he don't want CM Punk back. You know, this was, you know, last year when CM Punk was in AEW that, you know, Seth Rollins is a WWE guy. He's a lifer. He's a guy that came up through the the training ranks, and uh, he's going to end his career in the WWE. He said he's a cancer. He don't want him in the locker room. And I think it's good for professional wrestling. Hey, look, I'll give credit to Booker T, who's from right down the road here in Houston, Texas. Booker T said that's what's needed more in professional wrestling in in 2023 and as we move into 2024 is people don't have – they're not best friends that are working at angles that he did. You know, as he said, after the show, the two guys, you know, he don't need Seth Rollins and CM Punk going down to Waffle House and signing autographs for fans. There's truly some bad blood. And I think it makes it for intriguing storylines um, that they're professional enough to be able to get into the ring and work with each other. And that's what really limited CM Punk and AEW. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, a lot of these guys on that roster refused to work with CM Punk and that's why AEW created a whole separate show Collision for him on Saturday nights and there wasn't a lot of people that were going to work with him but I think Seth Rollins is very professional and I think this is what makes it more intriguing because I think that is probably uh the match that they look uh the, the booking that they look forward to at WrestleMania
0: who will Punk's first feud be with? You mentioned the first yeah. Punk's pay-per-view is at Raw. No, excuse me, is the Royal Rumble. Is he sure. going to have a singles match there? Yeah. Is he is it going to be the thing where he's in the Rumble then, you throw know, somebody out. Him. Yeah. Seth yeah. Rollins, Seth Rollins like costs him a chance and that sets sure. something up later down the road. What is his first kind of feud going to be with,
2: with? You know him? that uh, again, another interesting question because they don't have to rush CM Punk and Seth Rollins um I I think that's there um I also don't think uh you know CM Punk's in a position to be wrestling every week uh on Monday Night Raw that's what he was doing a little bit in AEW and he got banged up look he's not in his 20s and 30s anymore this is a guy that's in his 40s and look tip top shape or not you know professional wrestling uh, you take some bumps and bruises just by running the ropes we we see people get hurt um there's a couple of different ways. Uh, I know there's some people that said, hey, there's a built-in feud uh, with with Dominic Mysterio. Uh, CM Punk kind of fed into that. He posted on his Instagram a, a photo of when CM Punk was the champion. He was cutting a promo against Rey Mysterio in the ring, and there was Dominic standing next beside him as a little kid. I think they'll go with something along those lines to give CM Punk a couple of matches here and there. When it gets to the Royal Rumble, it could be a spot where he's in it and he costs someone uh, their spot in the match or he throws them over in, in a gimmick elimination. And that could lead to his uh, his first feud or he could have a singles match to get somebody like Dominic on the card. So there's a couple of different ways we can go this. I thought he ended raw perfectly on Monday night. We weren't going to hear pipe bombs. You're not going to hear him talk about AEW. We're not talking about AEW on, on WWE yeah. programming. That's just not going to work. So I think he kind of opened the door and he finished it perfectly. He said, hey, look here, I'm not make to, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. So I think that's going to line up a couple of guys to, uh, to go at it with him as we lead up uh, into the WrestleMania season. Uh, because I, I do believe the next pay-per-view is the Royal Rumble. So I don't know if we see Punk in a match before then or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting guys. Like, just thinking long-term, I mean, you could obviously do Rhodes, Reigns. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Rollins, Damian Priest, Finn Balor. There's there's just a laundry list of guys. Now, you mentioned about punk wrestling on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, is he going to be – like, I'm not even saying wrestling. I mean, because we're seeing Edge be a weekly guy at AEW just by being there. Is he going to be, Punk going to be a weekly guy, whatever brand he's on? Or is he going to be more like a Roman Reigns where we see him like once every six weeks? Yeah,
2: I don't think we can afford it right now. I think we're bringing Punk back uh, for a reason. Now, it's interesting here because we're at a time where the next pay-per-view is the Royal Rumble. And that's in January. So we still got some time here. Uh, Do we see Punk back again on Monday night? Do we see him on Friday night? I don't think we're going to see him wrestling a whole lot. I don't think either, though, on the other end of it. I don't think we're going to see him as a Roman Reigns type where he's here and there, a Brock Lesnar type where he's gone for four or six weeks and only pops up during WrestleMania season. I don't think he's also signed a five-year contract either. Um, I think it's it's for short-term. Maybe a couple of years. Again, he's in his mid-40s. He doesn't have a a whole lot left in him ring-wise, but I think there's a lot of value here. So I don't know if they have to put him on every week. Um, Leading up to the Rumble, we've got the Christmas holidays. Some things will probably be taped. Uh, I think we'll get some short vignettes, but we're going to build something as we get closer to the Royal Rumble where he'll start being on every week. And I think it'll be on Monday Night Raw.
0: Will we finally see Punk main event at WrestleMania?
2: Yeah, I think so. You never know uh, when someone's going to get hurt. But if I'm fantasy booking today, I think night one is CM Punk versus Seth Rollins for the WWE championship. I think it's built in. I think it's perfect. Um, I think Seth Rollins uh, is is so over now. People are going to want to cheer for CM Punk. But I can definitely see Punk being that tweener. In this feud where he turns week by week he turns slowly on the fans and he's turned slowly on seth rollins that would be my money that that's my early bet i, I think that seth rollins and cm punk would definitely headline wrestlemania night one and now that it's two nights i mean it, it it's the perfect chance because if it's one night we know that spot's going to roman reigns and that spot's night two is probably going to roman reigns cody rhodes So, yeah, I think this is a a perfect opportunity for him to come in, headline WrestleMania night one, tear the house down with Seth Rollins.
0: You mentioned CM Punk's checkered past in AEW. Yeah, yeah. Will this partnership with Punk and WWE last more than a year?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to take the over. 'm I'm I'm I've always been an over guy so'm I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna take the over here I think it does barring any unforeseen injury stuff here I think it does and again I think um unless something goes awry that we don't know about um I think it does i I think he's here for about a year or two um and whether they resign him after that I don't know again. WWE is home to him. It never felt like home when he was in AEW. Not at the beginning. uh, Definitely not at the end. And it's a different structure there. I've talked to wrestlers that have been on both sides, WWE and AEW. I've talked to both workers. It's a different structure in the WWE. Things are done completely different. Some people are built for the E. Some people are built for AEW and a more of a a loose type uh, structure. But I think CM Punk, uh, look, again, he had a 10-year, 11-year run in the WWE beforehand. Uh, I think he's different. I think he's a changed person. Um, I I think he tried a couple of things outside of WWE uh, to test the waters. And I think he truly meant it on Monday night uh, in his promo that WWE was home. And I don't think he's going to do anything to disrupt that.
0: Now, obviously a losing one of its quote unquote mega stars when i look at sure. aw i think their quote unquote draws are danielson mox i'll put jericho in there sure i'll put mgf in there and maybe edge sure yeah I'll- Like now you're all former WWE guys, right?
2: That's crazy.
0: But I mean, like you're, but, and I mean, I think Omega is kind of a fringe guy, if that makes, you know what I mean? I think he's kind of that tweener guy. I think he's above the middle tier, but I don't think he's quite at the five to six names I just lasted. Well, losing one of those figurehead guys. Danielson always hurt. It seems. Like, are they going to be able to survive this? Like, are like, you know what I mean? Like, do sure, they have sure. enough enough to survive? Enough talent to survive on the top side?
2: Well, you know, the thing that AEW has that most organizations that went up against WWE didn't have is money, right? The cons have a lot of money. They own the Jacksonville Jaguars. They they just have a lot of money, so that definitely helps. If you look at Punk's AEW run. They created a show, Collision, for him that was on Saturday nights. Uh, the, the, the show debuted with about 860,000 viewers. That's on par for their Wednesday night Dynamite television office, uh, audience. But you look, this is Saturday night. Most people don't stick around that are that are wrestling fans. They go out. They're doing things. They go to dinner. They go to concerts. There's a lot of different entertainment value, especially on the weekend. That number consistently dropped steadily. And now that Punk's been gone, that collision show that's on Saturday nights, 400,000 would be a good number for them. They've dipped in the low 200,000. So their television audience has taken a hit. Yeah, a lot does have to do with football. But the trend is not there for that show to jump back up for 800,000, not with its stars on its list. It it, It definitely has hurt. It's You've already seen the uh, the the, same, the damage that it's done with CM Punk leaving AEW. Regardless what you thought of him, if you didn't think it was a fit, he's been a polarizing figure in professional wrestling for a very long time. And there were a lot of CM Punk fans out there that tuned in to AEW that didn't watch AEW before. They had watched WWE or not watched wrestling at all. So, yeah, I think it does hurt. Um, it just doesn't help when AEW tries to sign all these names because you've only got a certain amount of hours of show of time for a week to put these guys and girls on. Um, and with CM Punk, you gave him a different show, a different hour, a different roster to work with. And once it didn't work out, you've seen the steady decline, decline already. I think AEW will be okay. Um, their main focus is on Wednesday nights, their Dynamite show. Uh, but it definitely doesn't help when CM Punk is now went back to your whether you call it WWE your competitor or not, they are. Um, he went to their competitor, and it definitely does uh, fill, fill a void because now you got to have some names step up, uh, in that place for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just kind of I think the comment you made that kind of resonated with me because I consider myself a casual wrestling fan. Sure. Um, he brought eyes that normally wouldn't have been there and yeah. there's few people in the business in general that can do that. And you had someone in house and you lost them. So I think, I, I think AW is going to be up against it until they figure something out. Cause I know they signed, who's the big guy they signed? Will Ors, Orsling. The guy oh, from New Ospreay. Osprey. Will Osprey. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, was- for like a casual guy like me, that's you know look
2: me too look i'm a i'm a a big wrestling fan i don't watch new japan again there's only certain amount of hours in the week you have a lot of wrestling fans like music they they stream television shows they go to the movies they do things while osprey is one of the top wrestlers in the world he kind of blends in with all the other wrestlers at aew there's really not a whole lot different between him and and so-and-so um again it's aew has stuck with its formula that we're into wrestling uh and we're not into as much as storyline storytelling and i think that's where it's hurt them the most and they haven't been able to pivot or even want to do that so it'll be interesting to see if they do that especially if wwe signs a big contract with raw going over to warner brothers because you know aew's got a contract with TNT and TBS. So it'll be interesting to see if they start pivoting to a different way where they start more storytelling and have more characters being built throughout their programming.
0: And that's interesting because I was, when you were talking, I was thinking, okay, what did I most want to see during a W last week? Yeah. It's that Tori, that to- Tony storm, the sure. uh, Marilyn Monroe, Tony
2: storm. Type, yeah.
0: Type character she has going on. Like to me, that's entertaining as hell. Yeah. Maybe they do need to go in that direction a little bit more, have a little bit more sure. storylines and everything. Um, Chad, I enjoyed you coming on. Thanks yeah, for taking man. time out of your schedule to come on, talk some WWE. Hopefully we can have you on around Royal Rumble time. We can talk a little bit over Royal Rumble. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media?
2: Yeah. X are formerly known as Twitter. I'm at the Chad Cooper, same on Instagram. Uh, if you follow me on there, I do a lot of concert photography. I get to do a lot of backstage access with different bands. Uh, next week, next weekend, I'll be with the voice of Creed, Scott Stapp. I'll be with him next Saturday. So I'll be able to put some photos and some backstage stuff and some, some behind the scenes stuff with, uh, with Scott Stapp. And plus, uh, you know, I, I'm a gambler. I love to gamble. I I like, uh, sports betting. I, I love to put plays, uh, on Twitter. Whether or not uh, you know I'm good or not, I, I have a good run here and there. But at the Chad Cooper on X and uh, Instagram, that's where you can find me, my friend.
0: And now let me put you on the spot. I saw I was looking at your Twitter page or X page, whatever. Yeah, Houston Cougars. Who's their new head coach?
2: Man, you know I'm a Cougar. I'm a, I'm a Cougar fan, and uh, you know there's not a lot of us. Lot a lot of us left um, as of right now. I think Gary Patterson is out. I think that was a name that people wanted. Did it make sense? Uh, Kind of. He's kind of old school. I don't know if Houston wants to go there. Um, They want someone uh, a little more uppity. The hot three names that I hear over the next, over the last couple of days have been Willie Fritz, the head coach of Tulane, who's in his lower sixties. I know I said, you know, Gary Patterson's a little old. He was, uh, he was great at Sam Houston state when they were FCS. He has a lot of Texas ties. Uh, he's turned too late around. They're playing for AAC Conference Championship uh, number two. I think Jeff Trailer at San Antonio. This guy was the Texas high school football coach in Gilmer, a, a powerhouse. Um, he's got Texas ties, and I think their third choice would be Barry Odom for UNLV. I think those are the three names. Betting, I would say Willie Fritz. I think it was going to be somebody other than Willie Fritz. They would have announced it already. Uh, but I think with the conference championship coming up this weekend, I think they announced on Sunday that it'll be Willie Fritz. That's who I think it's going to be.
0: Ooh. Ooh. All right. Maybe I'll find it. Maybe I'll see if Bet Online has a prop. who will be the next Houston coach throw a, a couple yeah. bucks on that, my man.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Chad, enjoyed talking to you. Make sure you Thanks, give Chad man. a follow on social media. And uh, we'll talk soon, Chad. All right, man. Make sure to give my boy Chad a follow at Chad Cooper on all social media. Guys, that's it for the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. As always, I'd like to thank you to Chad and David for coming on. Make sure to give them both a follow. The E-Top 2-1 Sports Show is back this Tuesday. Make sure to check that out. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Until next week, boys and girls.